part two of last Sunday's Vision Sunday. So I apologize in advance. It's not always, Vision Sundays aren't always a normal Sunday morning here because we don't just typically in the sermon time just dive in right specifically on one passage and pull out its meaning and its application to us personally and collectively. Uh, That is what we do the majority of the time. But every now and then, it is worthwhile for us to take a step back and consider the bigger picture of uh, this church in, in this hour, on this day, in this season, in this city, and in this country, in this part of the world, where we're at, where we've been, where we are, and where we are yet to go. And uh, so today is a, is a part two of that. And like I said, um, don't worry, we'll get back to business as usual, so to speak, next week. But um, I guess I want to um, on-ramp us to the, the main thoughts of uh, the message today by turning your memory back to during COVID. Don't worry, I'm not going to a dark spot in COVID, or maybe it is for you, I don't know. But during COVID, uh, Disney came out with a show called The Mandalorian. And regardless of your thoughts about Disney or The Mandalorian, okay, an aspect of it kind of became very famous as these Spartan-like, stoic, super warriors or fighters known as the Mandalorians, they subscribed to and lived by a creed, the Mandalorian creed, repeating its most common cult-like mantra, this is the way, this is the way. Inevitably, it was almost always said, uh, maybe similar to how Christians say amen, like you might say, this is what we're going to do, and somebody says, amen, and the other person says, amen, or at the end of a prayer, amen, amen, you know, that kind of an idea. Inevitably, uh, in the, the context of this Disney show, uh, there is a, there's a difficult decision to be made, or there's difficult circumstances before them, and whenever they're tempted to cave into the pressure of the world around them, or to give up on their way of life, they're reminded of their creed. And then they seal it with this expression, this is the way. This is the way. And it's this dying to self, subscribing and submitting to a call bigger than any one person so that they might then walk in this way and live out this higher calling, this higher purpose. This is the way. Did you know that the first Christians weren't called Christians? They were called the people of the way or the followers of the way, long before Disney ever came along. Because they were a very unique and distinct community of people subscribing to a way of life that was so different than the world around them. The world around them was a very polytheistic, everybody worshipped many gods, and had subscribed to the greco Roman way of life, their values, their beliefs, their their norms, their comfort levels, what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And yet Christians in the earliest days, they didn't worship at all the different temples of the gods like everyone else anymore. They didn't sleep around. They didn't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Rather, they were the ones who went and touched the untouchables. They were the ones that went and cared for the weak and the sick and the dying, the invalid. And they treated one another's as equals, regardless of whether you were a woman, 
or a slave or a Gentile or a Jew. They would gather at the same table to eat as equals. And the most unusual thing about them, they would eat the body and drink the blood of their Savior. The Romans looking from the outside in would be like, what strange practice is this? I was reading an article a few weeks ago where a historian quoted a poem written just four years ago by a Scottish poet. And the poem was called Conversion with an Archaeologist. You can put it on the screen there, please, Branson. And it goes like this. He said they'd found a brothel on the dig he did last night. I asked him how they know, he sighed, a pit of baby's bones. A pit of newborn baby's bones was how to spot a brothel. The same article described how when you participate in an archaeological excavation on ancient Roman sites, he said, they wrote this, first you find the erotic sanctuary, which is common in a lot of the temples, by the way, and then you dig a bit more and you find male infant skeletons. Male, of course, because the males were of no use to the keepers of Roman brothels. Whereas female infants born to prostituted women were raised into prostitution themselves. You can go back to the title screen. Uh, I want to say this. Uh, the one before that there, Branson, thanks. There we are. Thank you. Uh, I want to say this. This is the, the culture that Christianity was born into. And I share all of this that we might appreciate the way of Christ and the many wonderful things that Christ, through the followers of the way, through his church, changed in culture. Even atheist historians writing today cannot deny the unique and strange ethic of the Christian to bring positive change to the vile and evil ethics of the Roman world in which Christianity was born into. And funny enough, even current historians today commenting on the present culture and shifts we see happening in society today have started seeing and even writing how culture is repaganizing, how our culture is regressing, and some in academia are even starting to take a fresh look at Christianity because while they don't like the God thing, they see huge red flags as our culture is moving at a rapid pace away from the values and the practices of Christianity today. And I share all of that to say yet again, what we are doing here today and every day as Christians, it matters. Who we are, how we live, how we interact with one another, and in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, and in our schools, it matters. It matters way more than we realize. Becoming more like Christ and sharing him with others 
is of the utmost importance. Not just for our well-being, but for the well-being of our society, of our neighbors, of future generations. The way of the church is a good thing. And of course, we have many failings and shortcomings to both account for and to fix in the days ahead. But that is what Jesus is all about. He picks us up. He corrects our course. He forgives our sins. And and he gives us the strength and the will and the love to change and to improve along the way. Calling us into his image and likeness. Into living lives of holiness and righteousness. of, Of laying down our lives for the sake of peace. I look back just over the last hundred years of the church in the West and I think of all the corrections the church has made. I think back as far as the 1920s when Christianity was very stoic and a man-centered religion and God sent a sweep of Pentecostalism to reawaken and renew the church. I think of back to the 50s and the 60s. We were way too legalistic and God sent hippies. Praise God for those hippies that came in with their scruffy clothes and ruffled a lot of our uh, erroneous doctrine and practices. I think of the 80s and 90s where the church became very consumeristic and very presumptuous. And so God sent voices like John Piper and David Wilkerson and John Stott and many others that just cut to the core of it and and helped correct the church. I think of the church in just the early 2000s. We became very business-oriented. A pastor was looked upon more like a CEO of a company. And we began becoming consumed with aesthetics and emotions and external success. And young people, as a result, began deconstructing their faith, thinking they had received from their youth pastors and their parents the real thing. But it wasn't. It was an external religion and way of life. It was moralistic, therapeutic deism, if you want to get very scholarly on it, all right? And now we're facing, across Canada, a shrinking church as we're living in the consequence of our errors from previous decades and generations We're living in the days after a discipleship deficit. We are awakening awakening to the consequences of consumer Christianity. And the church today is needing, is getting to relearn the basics, to retrace the ancient paths. There is a slow renewal taking place in the church as the patterns and the pressures of this world press in on us. And like the Mandalorians or like those first Christians, we are unearthing forgotten or neglected practices and values of the church. We will have to take on and make a more personal and communal decision like them of what creed we will live by And then determine for ourselves, this is the way, this is the way that I will walk. Or as those renewed Israelites said so long ago, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. None of this, by the way, has caught God by surprise. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
we read in Paul's letter to a young uh, uh, leader, Timothy, that in these days the world will and would go crazy and everyone will be out for themselves, but he encourages us, and Timothy in particular, and through Timothy us, he says this in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The most effective form of gospel proclamation and transformation and seeing gospel-formed lives is found in the old analog way of a life-to-life, face-to-face dynamic. Personal relationships, small groups, commitment to the body or commitment to the community as a higher calling, as a higher authority even than my own life. This is the way. This is how we live our lives. Will you walk in it? Just like those very first disciples we read in the, in the book of Acts, they were devoted to the scriptures, devoted to prayer, devoted to the gathering, devoted to confession, devoted to one another, devoted to serving and to giving, devoted to growing in the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit, devoted to Christ. It is a way of life that is foreign to culture and is being rediscovered even by those of us who grew up in church. Passing on the baton of faith from one soul to the next. It is slow at first, but as we've seen already throughout history, it eventually takes off. Maybe a decade from now, maybe a generation from now. Are you ready for that kind of long-term investment? Personally, collectively as a church, one where you might not live even to see the fruition and the harvest of the seeds you plant. It is here this morning that I want us to turn a corner to move from what I've been sharing at more of a philosophical and theological level to a practical level. What does this look like for us as Parksiders? I want to renew our vision as Parksiders of what is our way forward. The first is, you can go to the the next uh, two more slides, I think there, Branson, yeah, that one, thank you. Personal discipleship. To renew our call and our commitment to personal discipleship, to take responsibility, opportunity for all of us. We're all called to that. Second is the development of a storehouse ministry. This will be an opportunity for most. The third way forward for us as a church is leadership development. This is an opportunity for a few. You can go back there, Branson, to personal discipleship. That one. Thank you. Personal discipleship at Parkside is all about becoming a fully devoted and equipped follower of Jesus to point to the point, sorry, that of maturity, which is then fully found in us making other devoted followers of Jesus. Now, to aid in this, we've created the discipleship pathway, which is the illustration you see on the screen. Or if you receive the newsletter, it's on the back page of your insert. This is a series of courses, retreats, and labs 
to be trained and equipped in the way of Christ. And guess what? As it relates to Parkside, this is the way. This is the way that every Parksider is to walk. It will take us anywhere probably from five to ten years for all of us to complete each one of these areas of discipleship. Some will be faster, some will be slower, based on our availability, based on our stubbornness, uh, or a combination thereof. We do ask that every adult parksider would take at least one discipleship course or experience per year. Uh, Right now, we're targeting certain demographics of our church and delivering uh, these courses in certain ways. But as the way of Jesus gets more and more ingrained in us, it will become even more and more organic, organic, implemented at even smaller levels through small groups, groups of three, implemented in our homes as we rise to the call to be his disciples and to go make disciples. Moms and dads, 10 years from now at Parkside, they will just naturally teach their children how to read the Bible how to discern God's personal voice speaking to them, how to grow in character, how to handle finances. I'm tired of seeing posts on Facebook. Nobody taught me how to do this. That is stopping here at Parkside. As it relates to you and to your walk and being discipled and discipling others in Christ We will train you and we will equip you in how you are to live as a Christ follower. This is an opportunity, an invitation for all to be disciples so that you can eventually disciple others. This is the way. I'll highlight two opportunities happening after Easter that you might want to take advantage of. You can go to the next slide. The first course is Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Charlene will be back, and uh, she will be ready to facilitate this course. Go to the next slide. This is what this course entails. You will learn a five-part framework to transform your conversations that you might actually speak and be heard and have a proper conversation. Stop being sabotaged by wrong assumptions. Eliminate confusion by clarifying expectations. Discover what your family taught you about communication and conflict. Get beneath the surface of your emotional life. Deepen connection through incarnational listening. Disentangle your complex emotions and speak clearly. Master the art of clean fighting. And design a lifelong plan to grow in love for others especially for those that are parents or are married. If you employ the skills that are taught in this course alone, I'm telling you, it will pay off in spades and reap the benefits for generations that follow you. The second course, uh, back again. I think it's on the next slide there, Branson. Yeah, that one there. Is the Hearing God course. It'll happen after Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It is one of my favorites. I think we've offered it four or five times now. 
And it's simply this. We believe it is the birthright of every child of God to hear the voice of their heavenly father. You have no idea how significant that is. That it is your birthright adopted into the family of God as a son or a daughter of God to be able to hear his voice personally spoken to you. And when you begin to hear him speak to you, does that ever change things? It opens up your relationship with him to being real and present and active and growing and personal. No longer stuffy religion. It is now you conversing with your heavenly father. You hear him. He hears you. He gives you wisdom. He gives you perspective. He gives you advice. It's amazing. Consider taking that course as well. Let's move on. Storehouse ministry. This is an opportunity for most. It is simply this. Many of you will take our financial peace course um, uh, that we offer. And as a result, you will become even wealthier. And if Christ lives in you, you will want to put that wealth to its best use. You will see yourself as, uh, um, as graced by God and called to leverage everything that he has blessed you with for the blessing of others. It's just in you as a Christian because Christ is in you. And we live, thankfully, we live in a part of the world where able-bodied people can acquire a lot of wealth if they are disciplined in financial principles, if they work hard, and they remain stable in their personal and relational health. And over a lifetime, you will build wealth. And there is nothing wrong with that. It is biblical, and it is good, and it is designed to be a blessing to those that follow you and bring glory to God. But what do we do with that? This year, we will host our first information meeting for those seeking God in the stewardship of your estate and the legacy that he is and will establish through you. And a part of that will be considering not just how to set up your biological family well, but how you are to invest and sow seeds in your spiritual family, the kingdom of God and used what he has blessed you with to be a blessing to many. And even better, there are certain ways to set up your estate so the charitable giving actually works in your family's best interest and keeps less of your estate going to taxes. Hallelujah. Speaking of the causes you love... This year, we will formally uh, create our storehouse ministry. And it's a ministry that will include five strategic areas for long-term investment that will reap a harvest that long outlives your natural days on this earth. The areas are leadership development, church planting, local first-stage outreach that's helping people that can't even help themselves, Local second stage outreach, that's helping the people that have gotten a hand up and now want to begin to get a a solid footing under their lives. But those first few steps are difficult and they need somebody to partner with them till they get to that place of being self-sustaining and now a blessing to others eventually. That's the second stage. And then, of course, world missions. The call of Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. 
I'll say more on this initial rollout later this year. Last up, leadership development. You go to the next one. An opportunity for a few. You can go to the next one. Yeah, thanks, Branson. Uh, as we grow in Christ and go into the things that he calls us to, some of us will be called to serve in positions of leadership. And this requires extra time, extra investment, and training to develop the character and the competencies of a future leader. And I've already mentioned this at the introduction to Jason. I believe that we are uniquely situated as a church to be a greenhouse for future leaders. We have a heart and are a safe place for blossoming leaders to grow their roots deep and to be ready for transplant into other places. Uh, we will soon reboot our internship program that was paused uh, when COVID hit. Uh, in the years to come, the regularity of pastoral apprentices will increase. And I pray and labor for the day where this church will be able to praise God for all the men and women who were developed in this place, in this family, and then sent to other places to be a blessing there. Uh, just going back a few years, we can, might remember, some of us might remember Isaac Dagno, Eugene and Catherine's son. We were able to develop him as the pastoral apprentice in our church and send him off to North Valley Baptist Church. And, and he has been doing a great work there, renewing that church from the inside out, honoring Christ and seeing the gospel proclaimed in parts of mission that we wouldn't otherwise reach. It's incredible. To wrap this up this morning, I'll touch on two more subjects quickly, all right? First is, at some point this year, most likely September, we will need to take our next step of maturing as a church and host two Sunday morning services. I know that's not what you want. I know. It's a lot of work. It requires more of us personally. It requires a, discon a disconnecting and a fragmenting of what we love and enjoy sometimes the most about what goes on on a Sunday morning here especially. And yet, when you go back to the bigger picture that I shared from the very beginning of this, of this message time, to consider the church in Canada, to consider, consider the church in mission, to consider the, the regression or the repaganizing that is taking place in Canada and in our city right now, we need a church that is mission-focused. We need a church that is more concerned about our neighbors outside of these four walls than we are our comfort inside these four walls. And for us, a very practical yet challenging step for us is to simply open up our lives to that reality of making room for more of our neighbors to find faith and to find family here at Parkside. Second thing I want to highlight is we continue to have our eyes on planting a church in West Mission. But the people to lead that, the timing of when to start that, and the very way or the mechanics of its implementation, they are not known yet at this point. All we've done so far is just prayed about it and prayed into it and prayed for our city. And so I just want to encourage you to continue holding that um, aspect of our church development and growth in prayer seeking God, you might hear something from God that I won't hear, and you can come and you can talk to me, or you can send me an email and say, hey, I was praying about a future church plant, and I got this idea, or I got this thing. Who knows what will become of that? 
In the meantime, we will continue to wait on him for his provision and his timing. This is the way. I'm sorry again that today wasn't a traditional sermon. We'll get back into Romans next week. Hallelujah. But it is important for us to pause now so that we might see the bigger picture and consider our part in the bigger part. And say for us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the way. This is the Parkside way. I'm going to walk in it. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in prayer and invite the music team to come up. Let us agree together to this prayer. Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives and you are the Lord of this church. I've done my best to seek you, Lord, as a pastor at Parkside, to seek you and to be faithful to what I sense you calling us into in the steps that we are to take. But Lord, you are the one who builds your church. So I humbly ask for you to correct us where we are wrong. Correct me where I'm wrong. And I ask you to unite us in what is right and good and true. I ask for your grace by your spirit to affirm in each one of us this peace and this clarity and this confidence and strength that comes from the resolve to say, this is the way, walk in it. Stir in us today and in the seasons ahead, Lord, a hunger for holiness and a burning devotion to the things that build our faith and build your church, that we might become better and more true disciples of you and bless others in helping them find the way and walking in it. Lord, we ask you to build your church, to advance your church in the days to come. May we be a part of seeing the gates of hell broken over the hearts and the homes of those you call us to serve and to go to. We do this, Lord, out of love for you, out of your love for us. And Lord, we don't do this so that we might be elevated or glorified. We do this so that you might be glorified, that you might be seen and heard in and through us today. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We love you, Lord. Amen.